1: Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today
2: A lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change? needing health insurance United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times.
3: Hey guys, it's Kayla. I'm so happy you're able to join us today because we are all still so directionally challenged. We thought we'd have it all figured out by the time we were in our 30s, but surprise, we don't, and that's okay. I'm gonna go ahead and say This is one of my favorite episodes so far because I'm always feeling a lack of productivity in my life and I cannot believe how much wisdom is packed into one episode Today, we're talking to Laura May Martin. She is the executive productivity advisor in the office of the CEO at Google. She coaches Google's top executives on the best ways to manage their time and energy and sends out a weekly productivity newsletter that reaches tens of thousands of employees. During her 13-year tenure at Google, she's worked in sales, product operations, event planning, and now executive coaching. She has such a knack for creating concepts that are easy to understand and implement. And her advice for the life part of work-life balance is just as valuable as all the work tips. This episode has that and so much more. Without further ado, let's get to it. My conversation with the lovely Laura Mae Martin. And I am here with Laura May Martin. Laura, I am very excited to have this conversation with you because I think productivity is something that we can all benefit from. It doesn't matter how many times we've heard the term, we've had the conversation. We all need the strategies and tactics. And who better to talk to you about it than you? Let's start with maximization. How do we start maximizing our time and our lives? It's one of those things where you talk about how downtime can fuel uptime. And I, that sounds amazing in theory. And I would love to hear your perspective on it because I definitely need this in my life.
4: (laughs) A good example of that, if you kind of forget productivity for a second is when I think about like my stationary bike and doing a workout, my highest like output score is actually from a 30 minute interval class versus a 45 minute regular ride and so if you were watching me in both of those instances you might be thinking like wow not only is she biking shorter she's taking way more breaks but by having those lulls i was able to then work really hard during the interval piece which actually upped the total that i was working or the total output and so from the outside sometimes we think of long hours or you know really putting in the the stretch and that's kind of like the vision of what actually gets a lot done but in reality it's it's having rest taking vacations taking breaks like that's what fuels you to then work harder when you go back and work and so i think that you know the book talks
3: a lot about the relationship between them and the book is out very soon and i am so excited to i've already subscribed to your newsletter and i did for those who don't know yet you will now you have a newsletter that you can get in the mail and i did the very first step of it which was clean out your inbox and this is something that you know i think it sounds it sounds very like clickbaity clean out your inbox yes we all want to do it your your strategy is very productive and it has already made a huge significant difference in my life so please share it with our listeners, uh, the the steps. And it's only a few steps that it requires. And it has made a huge change.
4: Yeah, these are steps that I've done in all my coaching sessions. So my full-time role is to sit with executives and coach them on the same tactics that we're talking about today. And so with your inbox, the first step is getting out everything that you don't need to see. So a lot of people wear their unread count like a badge of honor and they're like, oh, I have 700 unread, I have 3,000 unread. And to me, that just shows me that you're probably getting a lot of email that you don't need to see. And you know in the book i actually like bold one of this these lines and say just because this was bold it got your attention and that's what happens with these subject lines that we see that are getting our attention even if we're not opening them so every little piece of those is like what i call waste of energy points so you want to go through and say okay you can search for words like unsubscribe you know that could be one keyword that you say if it has unsubscribe have it skip the inbox or go to a newsletter folder or something like that easy ways to just get things out and then the next piece which is step two, is popping out the things that you need to see. So if your boss emails you directly versus emailing the entire company, that should look different. And there are ways to do that. Like in Gmail, creating a filter that says, if it's from my boss to me, mark it as VIP or whatever that is. And then the last piece is, which I go into way more in detail in the book, is treating your email like laundry and thinking about putting it into baskets based on what you have to do next. And so I live by inbox zero, but that doesn't mean that I've answered everything. It means that my dryer is empty, but I have baskets of things I need to fold, things I need to read, and things I need to hang up. And so the book goes really deeply into that and then how to set that up. And, you know, my newsletter kind of touches on that piece, but treating, sorting, reading, and answering all different activities.
3: And that's how you should be doing your email. This is also helpful and we can all really benefit from it. And I just, one of my favorite things and really why we started this podcast to begin with is to find these little pockets of like, they're sort of like diamonds in the rough. Like you have these amazing little tactics that we can implement into our lives that have such significant change. And so another thing that you discuss in the book and talk about is how we need to look at our, time like a bank account of energy i love the sound of that but i what does that mean
4: yeah so you mentioned like how do we maximize and i think a lot of people think of time management like this buzzword like we need more time we don't have enough time and so for example you have like nine to 12 and you say, I'm going to work on something or even like nine to 11. And you kind of sit down and then, you know, it's nine twelve before you've gotten started. And then you're like, I'm going to pull up something. And then you get a te- you ping and then you're like, okay, mm-hmm. I'll be right back. And you start it. And so, and then, you know, it's 1045 and you're like, is it even worth doing this now? I only have 15 minutes. And so I think like the problem there was like, you had the time, But, you know, was that the right time? Were you distraction-free? Were you in the right mood to do that task at that time, which I talk a lot about? Mm. But I think that when we talk about energy points, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, I have 30 minutes, but do you have that energy? So, you know, working out for 30 minutes might be a good ROI on my energy points because I actually get more energy later. But taking a meeting that I really don't need to be in that feels like draining, That's now a negative energy points. Seeing emails that I don't need to open, just kind of skimming them, negative energy points. You know, so you're kind of just thinking about that you have this limited bank account. You can't just like spend all the time you have. You have to also think about your energy and where you're spending that and where you're getting a good exchange and where you give energy, where you get it. And so, you know, being thoughtful about that piece versus just, "Mm, I have 30 minutes. You know, that's not always the
3: case. Hey, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute.
2: Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com.
3: And we're back. And have you found in all your research that there's a specific time of day that most people are most productive or is it, does it differ with each person and each lifestyle?
4: Yeah, that's such a good question. And the answer is it's different for every single person. And that's like the best part I think like was during COVID, everybody kind of went to working from home and all of a sudden it was like no commutes, no travel, and just kind of like me in my house figuring out how do I work best. And I think that was a, one of the positives that came out of that situation is because people started realizing, wow, actually, when I start an hour later and I don't eat lunch till two and I do an afternoon walk, I actually have way more productivity later on. Or I I actually, if it was up to me, I'd wake up and start at 6 a.m., but by three, I'm kind of burnt out. So I think, you know, everybody has these patterns. And uh, again, you can't tell your boss, like, sorry, I'm better energy in the morning, we can't have an afternoon meeting. But I think what it can tell you is like, for me, I've kind of found what I call my power hours. And I talk about in the book are that nine to 11. That's just when I'm typically on. And so I try as hard as I can to leave those for my most strategic work. So when people want to schedule a a 9am meeting, I'll say, does three o'clock work? You know, because that's when that was my natural energy. And so even if you block your power hours like one to two times a week, a lot of executives will tell me that changes their life the most because they feel like they have at least two times that they are in total control over and they're doing their best work and they feel like those are protected. So for me, it's like Friday morning. I don't know why that's like my best nine to 11 sprint, but it's like, I just know that I'm going to crank out my best work at that time. And so I'm so protective over that time because I know it's my best. And so you're, you know, again, with the energy points, I know that's when I'll spend my most energy the best way. And I'm not going to
3: let somebody schedule over that if I can help it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's amazing. And and it's interesting that it's really only just two days a week that creates that feeling. So how then do we know or how can we tell when our power hours are? I know that that may seem like a dumb question, but, no. you know, some people aren't as capable of knowing when they are being as productive as they, you know, could be.
4: Yeah, that's a great question. And It's funny how many people have no idea because their schedules are, well, I'm in meetings from... 8am to 8pm. Like, how do I know? And so I usually start by asking a kind of a probing question when I'm doing my coaching. And I'll say, if I gave you tomorrow, absolutely no meetings, absolutely no distractions, and a set of work to do, and you could control exactly how you spent your day, how would you and that usually starts the Oh, you know, if somebody's kind of not a morning person, they'd be like, well, I definitely sleep in, you know, but if somebody's like, oh, I'd get up and start a workout at five, you're like, okay, now we kind of know where we're going with this. And then, you know, another thing I like to tell people to do is just for two weeks, have a little post-it on your desk that says productive. And anytime you have that feeling of being like, wow, I'm in the zone, I'm doing it. What I call uptime in the book, that's how I define it. You know, writing down What's the condition? So for me, I started taking notes. Like it, it is when I'm listening to music, but not music with words. Like it tends to be like uh, film scores or classical. And then it was always like you know not right after I ate, but not when I was hungry. And then kind of like just finding those patterns and so figuring out you know. And then one exec I worked with, she was like, I actually found out my power hours from that were were really like eleven to one. And I was taking a break to eat lunch at twelve every day because. That's when people eat lunch. And she's like, how silly that I was using an hour of my best time to eat lunch. So now she eats lunch at one and she has this whole hour that's just golden for her to work. And so just those little noticing, oh, here, here, you know, this is when I, and it, you start to
3: get narrowed down on those two hours that are probably your sweet spot. Okay, so then I'm going back to the pandemic when you said a lot of people learned their schedules and what really worked for them. A lot of my work is at home, right? And now more so than ever. And so having two little ones in the house and all of that, I think creates a completely different dynamic. I know you are a mother of, is it three or four?
4: Three under under four. Three Six, under yes. four. Oh, that's why, okay, yes. I'm, I'm, there we go. That's what I'm remembering. Thank Either you. way, we're both busy. Either way,
3: right. And so, you know, one of those things, I, I know you talk about the, You know, hot spots in the house and the not spots, and I'd love advice in this regard because I'm finding it harder to be productive and finding space for myself within our home with two young kids, kind of also taking over the home as well. (laughs) Yeah,
4: there's toys everywhere. I feel like you can't escape them. (laughs) Right, but I think it's kind of like playing that mental game with yourself, and so even if you have. A million rooms to yourself in your home you know there's the the tactics are the same and the idea is that your brain associates certain spots with certain work and so if you say like okay i have my office and that's where i'm gonna do all my podcasts because your brain in that spot is kind of like in that zone but then maybe you have an outdoor porch and you say when i'm responding to emails or doing follow-up after the podcast I'm going to sit out there and send some of those. And so now your brain starts associating that spot with follow-up. And so, or you're like, you know, whenever I have some other project I need to do, I'm going to do that at a coffee shop and I'm always just going to go there and that's going to be my spot. And so your brain starts associating the smell of coffee with thinking about that project. And so that's why a lot of authors, they'll write their book like in the same spot, in the same, you know, shop, because it's the characters are coming to them easier Because of the noise and the smell and all of that. So I think that for me, it's like I'm choosing the spots in my house that make sense for that type of work and then doing that work there. And if I do go into the office, I do certain work there that I kind of save for that. But then also the not spots piece, I think, is equally as important, which is having what I call like safe spaces when you do no work. And so in my house, in the book, I talk about our cozy corner in my room just kind of this awkward area in our bedroom. We ended up putting like a chair and a half, my coffee machine and th- a shelf with some books. That and my- sounds amazing. <laughs> it, that is. Sounds- <laughs> it is now. I'm like, I'm never, this is like, again, it's my safe space. And the biggest thing that makes it that Is as much as sometimes I'm like, oh, I just want to sit there with my laptop and finish emails. I never do. I never bring my phone there. There's not a clock there. If in the morning I sit there and and drink coffee and read and a, a timer goes off in the other room on my Google Nest device and tells me it's time to get ready, but I just only relax there. And so it helps so much because when I've been doing a lot of stuff and I'm like, oh, I just need to unplug, I can sit in that spot and I've just easily relax, And so that's kind of where you want to foster, whether it's your kids' bedrooms or your living room or your bedroom or some space where you're like, I never bring devices in here. I only think about happy, relaxing things here. And then your brain gets used to that spot.
3: Wow. I didn't know that it could be that effective. And so that's, that's incredible. Thank you very much to to know, because that really that, I think that once the pandemic started, that at-home working environment was just amazing, but also difficult at the mm-hmm. same time. And so I don't know if most of us have that figured out, myself included, definitely. That's why I asked that question, obviously. So thank you for that, that having specific spaces. It's funny, it does seem so obvious once you say it aloud, but it's, you know, one of those things that you just need to hear <laughs> yeah,
4: all the time. Yeah, but I think it's, it's interesting, too, to just, like, look at the research behind it. In the book, I talk about, like, they had scuba divers and they went underwater and learned things and then went on the land and learned things and then they asked them to recall them in opposite or same locations half and half and the people who we're, like we're underwater and recall things from underwater were much higher. Like they remembered being underwater, learning that. And there's you know, if you're chewing a certain flavor of gum while you study and then you chew that gum while you take the test, you know, cinnamon is associated with this material. So there's just like it's fascinating, and it's so cool how we can use that for ourselves, you know,
3: hey, guys, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. <laughs> we're back i'm very excited for uptime i'm telling you right now and i'm not just saying this because we're having this conversation (laughs) this book is made for you know a lot of us out there myself included i can't wait so when you talk about your little space in the corner and i know you say you have the morning three three things you do in the morning to make Mm -hmm. sure is that one of them taking time and unplugging
4: yeah so i call that time like my Laura 30 and I wake up early to have it. It's only 30 minutes, but it's before, you know, I think that waking up to your first responsibility, whether that's a kid coming in your room, a dog that needs let out your first meeting, you know, that's like, basically you wake up and you're tumbling through your day now because everything is somebody else's. So, you know, I'm tired, like all the parents of young kids, but I realize like the 30 minutes at the end of the night is not as valuable as the 30 minutes the next morning. Again, same time, different energy payoff. And so I go to bed 30 minutes early so I can have that time to do whatever I want. So I don't plan it as much of a planner as I am. I just say, okay, whatever I'm in the mood for this morning, I'm going to maybe just sometimes I literally just sit in silence and drink coffee. Like <laughs> that's it because you know, the rest of the day is crazy. Sometimes I have a book I really want to read. Sometimes I've played piano. Sometimes I meditate and it's just like after that I don't really care what happens because I'm like, I did this for myself 30 minutes, you know, in the morning. So that, yeah, so I made that like a habit a long time ago. And I just feel like even like sometimes in the afternoon, I'll be super drained and I'll be like, you know what? I read a great novel for 30 minutes alone this morning and that was really great. And that's a good way to start.
3: Well, it's interesting. You know, you do have that to pull from for the rest of your day. So you mm-hmm. start the day like that. And then you can anytime there's something goes bad or your mind is not in a place you want it to be, you can go back to that moment you've had with yourself. In the exactly. Morning. That's a
4: great way of putting wow. it. You're kind of like filling up your own energy bank for sure at that point, you know, and then you can say, oh, I'm really drained, but. I had that moment and, you know, not to mention the coffee kicks in before the kids wake up, which is
3: always a benefit, so. (laughs) No, huge, huge benefit. Are you kidding? But this is, this episode is going to be already, I can tell you one of my favorites, but you know, one of my New Year's resolutions, my number one was really to figure out how to take more time for myself. And I have still struggled with it and we're in February, right? And so we're a few weeks in and I'm still kind of figuring out what that really means. And uh, this has really helped me significantly. I feel like this is such a game changer. And I'm going to make sure that I get uptime as well, because I can really tell this is really going to help me with my life. And so if it helps me, I know it helps all of our listeners. So I'm really grateful for that.
4: Yeah, I think one thing I'll just say, because I like love these type of books, and I've read them. And I think the biggest goal for me, which is why the title says a practical guide is that, you know, sometimes you hear these big picture things like take time for yourself. And it's like, thank you. But like, how does that actually look? You know, what is that? How does that? play out. And so my goal was all of these big ideas was to give actual recipes for how to do that. Not just like, oh, you should do this, but like, what does that actually look like? Whether it's a 30 minutes when you wake up for you, I would say you could call it self-care Sunday and make it like a fun routine and do whatever it is. Even if it's just paint your nails for 10 minutes after your kids go to bed, like then it starts building into, oh, maybe I'll take a bath. Oh, maybe now Sunday I'll go to the you know, the spa once a once a month for myself, you know, so it's kind of like you've got to start with those smaller routines. and, And I think that those are the type of examples I try to give because those are like the examples I want when people tell me those things, you know, so I think that that's what I try to tell people who haven't read the book is like, no, there is something for you to do
3: tomorrow, you know, to to take in some of this advice, not just big picture. Right. And you know, there are so many podcasts out there, so many books out there, so much out there, right? So much information. And you are right. A lot of it is such big picture. And it's the idea, which sounds great. But that's why I love you and your strategy so much. And obviously, why you're so successful, because you give actual takeaways that we can implement. So thank you. I'm so grateful. (laughs) Is there, I always love to end every episode, just asking someone, you know, is there advice you wish you would have gotten at a younger age that you know now? That you can share because a lot of our listeners are, you know, at that sort of precipice in life where they're figuring out what they want to do with their life and trying, you know, they're a little challenged directionally, right? And I always say I still am. And so, what advice do you wish you would have gotten?
4: Just that you probably can't see the ultimate destination. I think like when you're, especially in college and you're thinking like, what am I going to major in? This is what I'm going to do my whole life. And it's like, I had no idea that, you know, what I majored in would lead to what I'm doing now. It's just like, you kind of just need to focus as if you're following a GPS and you like trust that it's going to get you to a good destination. You just got to focus on like the next turn, the next turn, you know, what's the next best thing? Because I think some people get caught up in like, well, is this the ultimate place I want to live? Or is this the ultimate job for? me and it's like well if it feels like the next best thing it's probably like you know the right place and nothing is linear you know as we know it's never going to be like I went here 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 it's like I don't know I met this person they told me this I decided to do this you know and some of the most successful people when you hear their stories sound like that so you know that's what you got to focus
3: on. That's such great advice. And one last question, just because I know you do have some advice for the procrastinators out there. You know, there are a lot of list makers and people that like schedules, but then there's also this whole other side of people that, you know, procrastinate and don't love to do the work right on time. So for those types, what can, how can you help us? Listen, my, my husband is a full procrastinator. He, if he was sitting here right now, he would say it. So any advice you have in that regard, that's why I'm asking this question, essentially. <laughs> yes.
4: So big picture <laughs> advice, I say, like, you know, make sure you're doing the right work at the right time. If I'm trying to slot something and I know it's when I'm low energy, like that's silly. I'm setting up to fail. But, you know, again, now down to the recipe, I think that I talk about in the book, one of the tactics is separating the setting up of the thing. And the actual doing it of it. So, for example, I was like procrastinating all week last week, like making these muffins and I had the ingredients and the bananas were like going (laughs) bad. And I was like, why am I not just making them? And it's like, you know, because there's always so much going on. So then one night I was like, all right, I'm not I'm too tired to make them. But what I'm going to do is set out all the ingredients on the counter, like the muffin tin, the cinnamon, like the bananas. I'm just going to set them there. And then I went to bed because I was too lazy to bake them. But then when I got down in the morning, which again, I'm a morning person. So that was a better energy time. I'm like, oh, everything's set out. Like, I'm just going to make them. So I got rid of like that first part. So I talk about acting like your own assistant, kind of like saying, what would my assistant do to nudge me along here? And so, you know, you can do that for yourself, which feels like not that much work. And then when you see it, you're like, oh, Now that this is set up, I can do it. So your husband could definitely use that. (laughs) No,
3: that's you're actually, you're literally setting yourself up to succeed. It's perfect. Okay. (laughs) I I love that. Wow. Laura Mae Martin, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. I truly cannot wait for Uptime to come out. For those listening, it's April 2nd. So make sure you mark that down. And thank you so much for everything. I'm truly so grateful. Really, there's so much I'm taking from this episode. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. It was really fun. I mean, I'm going to implement, I hope I'm going to implement every piece of advice she gave me and you guys after we stopped recording her advice just continued and we were discussing you know how my I have a 1-year-old and a 4-year-old and she was saying just think of yourself as injured give yourself a little bit more grace and that helped me significantly too i i there's so much i'm going to do we have a little corner in our bedroom and i'm going to try and make that my little corner wake up 30 minutes before the kids get up i hope you got as much out of this episode as I did we have another great one coming for you next week until then take care directionally challenged is a production of pineapple productions hosted by me Kayla Yule produced by Melissa Demonts and Diamond Imprint Productions editing by Diane Kang post production sound by Coco Lawrence and production assistance
0: by Melanie D Watson